everybody can you hear me did I turn myself off or hello hello there we go hello Merry Christmas 
Okay, well, we've had, we just finished a great service. The kids were exhausting. We found out that the gift they don't like the most is deodorant and socks. Um, so if, if you missed it, you can see it online eventually. Um, but it's, uh, it was pretty crazy. Uh, they, their, their effort, there's a lot of effort there. They keep you, keep you busy. So, um, but we're glad that you're all here today. We're, um, we're going to have an, uh, another awesome service of our communion. Um, this is one of my favorite ser- uh, services of the year that we have, both of these Christmas Eve services. Um, just to let you know, tomorrow's Sunday. Uh, I won't be here. Neither will anybody else. So if, you're, if you really felt led to get up, but here you, here's your option. If you want to get on havencc.org and click right on the homepage, there's an hour-long worship service for you. Um, so you can get a, you'll get a sermon. You'll even get an offering. So there you go. So I, we include everything. It's an awesome w- way, prayer. Um, you'll even get to see me in a, in a neat hat. Um, and so, um, so uh, it'll be, a, it'll be uh, it's a great opportunity. Um, work to put that together. You can sing songs, Christmas songs. Follow along, and it's just uh, another opportunity that we have. Um, many of the people who serve here in this church, pretty much a, a ton of people here who serve, have uh, kids and uh, other family and travel, so we want to give them a gift for Christmas to be able to stay at home, our Sunday school teachers, um, and worship with their family. And we can do that thanks to the power of the internet together and celebrate the Lord's birth. So, welcome this evening. Um, we're glad that you're here. I'm going to begin by reading a verse from Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 through 7. And um, it says, it's one that's very familiar to everyone. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. Passionate commitment of the Lord's heaven of, of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. At this time, we have a special dance and playing uh, of the Carol the Bells.
Great job. Emily, Natalie, Natalie, and Kelly, and Sonia, and Cooper. There we go. Great job. Great job. Bow with me for a prayer, if you will, right now. Lord God, we just thank you once again that we, it's hard to believe we've come to this time of the year that it is Christmas. Um, and while we're here, um, help us to recognize what this means. That it's much more than just uh, about trees and presents and, um, and all that other kind of stuff. It's about the birth of a Savior, who's Christ the Lord. Sometimes during life we forget about this, God, that during um, the year that we, we kind of set it aside and we, we have so much on us, so many pressures, so many highs, so many lows, we also tend to look back this time of year at the year that's gone before us. And yet, at this point right now, God, we come to you and we want to recognize your birth, which changed all of history. For this and all things, we just pray that you will have a, a rebirth uh, in our lives and in our hearts, and that we can know the King of kings and Lord of lords as he is for us today, the risen Savior and Lord. During the rest of the service, we ask that uh, you bless each of our songs, you bring your Holy Spirit in the midst of our worship, and ultimately, that you will change our hearts, change our hearts to turn toward you, to love you, and to be your hands and feet in this world. In Christ's name we pray, amen. amen. At this point, we are going to have our, light our Christmas uh, candle, and we have been lighting them for the last four weeks, as I mentioned to people at the early service, uh, during the early, I, I used to really um, enjoy doing the uh, doing the Advent when I was a kid because it counted down to the days I got presents. Um, and so today we we recognize Advent, which is Advent, which is Adventus um, in the Latin, and it means coming. We recognize Christ coming into the world, yes, as the Christ child, but more importantly, we pray as Christian believers, come quickly, Lord Jesus. We pray that he will return very soon. Um, anybody wish he would return really soon? Anybody hope he returned before tax season? All right. All right. So uh, we want to thank, uh, pray, pray to God that he'll return even tonight. Wouldn't that be awesome? And so as we light this candle, the middle candle, the Christ candle, we recognize that Jesus is the light of the world. And I ask that you watch this video about that.
scripture tonight comes from Luke's gospel, verse 2, 1 through 20. At that time, the Roman emperor, Augustus, decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor in Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea. David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee, and he took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time had come for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, and she wrapped him, it was a son, and she wrapped him in snugly, I wanted to say she wrapped him in a snuggie, Um, she wrapped him in snugly little strips of linen and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. 
That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said, I bring you good news that will be great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem in the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped in snugly, snugly in strips of linen, of cloth, and lying in a manger. And suddenly the angel was joined with a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. And when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. And after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angels had said to them about this child. And all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. At this time, we're going to move to our Christmas offering. One of the things I shared with the early service, let me put this down real quick. One of the things that I shared with the early service is um, during this year, um, we didn't have much snow, but we did have one uh, Sunday where um, we didn't have church. And then tomorrow, as I mentioned, is a Sunday. Christmas rarely falls on Sunday, but when it does, um, as I said, we want to go ahead and give that gift to others. And so we miss out on some weeks there, but one of the awesome things about it is that um, this year in our church, we gave more to missions than we ever have in the history of our church. 340 boxes are now distributed, being distributed this Christmas to children all around the world who have nothing. There are people who survive maybe on a dollar or two a day. That's it. And then there are um, others within our own community. Over 220 people that we gave uh, Thanksgiving meals for. People in our own community. That in the morning when we celebrate, that they may not have anything if it wasn't for the goodness of people like us. Like the hands and feet of Christ. Jesus was very clear. And we did a study called Radical this summer when it was a little bit warmer. Coming into the beginning of the year. And what we learned in that and what we wrestled with is Jesus made it very, very clear that this is not a suggestion that we do to the least of these. It's a mandate of being a believer in Jesus Christ. He said, when you do to the least of these, you also do to me. And that's a requirement that he has for us. And so that's one of the things we as a church want to do. And all the awesome stuff that we did this Christmas, it's not to pat ourselves on the back. It's to tell us there's much, much more to do. There's much, much more to do. Because last time I checked, people are still hungry. People still don't know Jesus. And that's got to be the main goal. There's still people who are addicted in our community. We've got to fight that, not by ourselves, but with the power of the Holy Spirit. And how does that happen? It happens through us being the hands and feet, but it also happens through your tithe and your gift. And so we want to give you this last opportunity in this year to go ahead and give through offering, to give online if you're joining church online, um, or if you want to mail that in, either way, but to give another chance to go ahead and help us shape the ministry that God's called us to here. So I ask that you bow for a blessing, if you will. Lord God, I thank you for each person who's here tonight. For those who are watching this Christmas Eve service online, 
that where two or three are gathered, so are you. And God, right now, I want to thank you for the ministry and the giving of this church. And God, I, I can't wait to see in 2017 the increased giving, the increased nature of what we do as a church in combating homelessness and combating addiction and combating uh, people who don't know you in our community and around the world. And so, God, during the remainder of our time together here, I ask for your blessing to be on these gifts and that for each of us that we will feel your presence of your Holy Spirit, that same Holy Spirit that came upon Mary, that same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in us also to do your work by the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. Do as you did so long ago in the Galilee area where you took those loaves and you multiplied them. You took those fish and you multiplied them to meet the needs of many and many more. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. Amen.
All right, here it is. I, um, I put together every year, I put together a spreadsheet that is um, a sermon kind of schedule. And I look at it, and then I get a, uh, blocked out, and then here I am on the last one. And guess what? It starts over again, <laughs> like everything else in life. And you go, oh, gosh, now i got to go ahead and, uh, and make sure. And i got some ideas for, um, for the new year as well. Um, but mainly, I, I think this is, a, this is one that just, um, I heard somebody mention something one time, and it just kind of set me um, to, where I, to where I am. And we're going to talk about a haphazard Christmas. Some of you may feel like you've lived that. Anybody feel like you've ever lived a haphazard Christmas? Um, so this is my haphazard Christmas box. If I had a marker, I'd put haphazard on here right now, um, if I could spell it right. But um, one of the things that happens around this time of year is uh, that as a pastor, you start about October, November, thinking about Christmas, all right? And you begin to, by rereading the Christmas story. And I'm not talking about the one that's going to play all tomorrow on TBS. Not that one with Ralphie. Um, I'm talking about the original Christmas story of Jesus, um, the wise men, the shepherds, Mary and Joseph, all that kind of stuff. And it's kind of difficult because on Christmas and Easter, it's one of those things that for the most part, you know what I'm going to talk about, right? And for the most part, you, the older you are, the more you've heard about it. And so... You always look for something new, and that's the awesome thing about God's Word, is that it is challenging to go ahead and come up with something new, but I, I looked at it again for something fresh as we look at it. And this year, in looking over that, I was kind of struck by something in thinking about the year and in, in looking at this myself, that we all, I think we all have a desire in our lives to find meaning and purpose in all kinds of things, to make sense out of life. Am I right? Nobody just says wants no purpose in life or, or nothing to make sense. We all like things to fit logically, don't we? We like things to fit logical, make sense, and we just don't like things haphazard or random that we have in our lives. It's like this Christmas tree. We like the Christmas tree all decorated nicely with all kinds of things here. And, you know, we kind of know where things go in our life when we look at a Christmas tree. You know, we spread things out. On the Christmas tree. Like, for instance, if we, we come over here. Let me see if I can find this one. Here we go. This one here. This one here. We met. Okay? We met. Let's see what else we have here. Uh, that, one's, that one's down here. Let's look at some other things. Got a promotion. Okay? And it sounded like a good, good thing, so many. We got engaged. What else do we have here? We have good health. Somebody, somebody, maybe our kid, or maybe we graduated. There we have. What's this right down here? We've got money. Everybody like that one? Particularly after Christmas, we've got some money still left over. Um, we had a birth, birth of children, um, and we have a home. And then hopefully we get a chance to use this one. We get to retire, right? So we kind of, we know how everything fits here. We like how pretty everything fits on the tree, right? It all has its own special place, and all these will represent where we have things in life, in order, things that make sense to us. We like to make order out of that. And every time that happens in life that someone, that I have an experience or somebody gives me something in life, I know where it goes, or I I make sense of where it goes in my life, or at least I try to. And through all cultures and all languages, we have 
different explanations for our life history or our experience. To convince ourselves that things that seem so random are purposeful. That there's a purpose to everything. Like, for instance, we have this slide here that you can look at. We have different sayings like this. Everything happens for a reason. Anybody ever said that before in your life? Really? Everything? Think of everything that happened to you this last year. Did it all happen because of a reason? I remember on my birthday, I woke up 3 o'clock in the morning and had a sermon to preach, and I had a stomach virus. What reason was that about? So that I could try to preach and not throw up on you? It worked, okay? So if that's how it worked. Um, But we think everything has a purpose and a reason. What about this second one? I don't believe in coincidence. What does that mean? I could say, I don't believe in coincidence. What does that mean? I don't know. I just don't believe in it. I don't believe in coincidence. Some people even throw that thing in, the churchy thing. I believe in God incidences. Anybody ever heard that one? Okay. That there's some like cosmic that God is working through this or God has set everything in motion that it's this purpose that comes. Or this one, for those of you who are looking still, you just haven't met the right person yet. Someday it'll happen. How? What if it never happens? Some people that happens with. What about this one? This kind of builds on to it from there. I guess it wasn't meant to be. What in the world does that mean? In other words, that says, it's not my fault. It's not their fault. But somewhere in the cosmos, there is a meant to beer whose job is to go, that is meant to be. This is not meant to be. Okay, this is what we have. Just because it didn't work out, the cosmic meant to beer didn't like it there. We all just want to connect something together, don't we? And why is that? Like, for instance, I have a couple pets. I have a, a dog, an Australian Shepherd. We recently just got a cat that's in the house. I don't know how it worked out, but it's in there. All right? Um, and we like her, and I don't know why, because I don't like cats usually. But some reason, I like her. Um, maybe it was just meant to be. I don't know. Um, but I got to tell you, my dog, Baby, who's an Aussie, does not spend her time every day taking a nap, going to the bathroom, coming in and eating, and then goes, hmm, I wonder how this nap and this bathroom trip went ahead and relates to the other one in my whole life. And a series of bathroom trips and naps all come together in my purpose for my life. My dog doesn't do that. And cats are even worse. Am I right? They don't care. They don't like you. They're just small lions, and they would eat you if they could. (laughs) So my dog is sitting there and says, oh, now I know why I eat, sleep, and poo all the time. Now I have purpose in my life, right? No, my dog doesn't do that, but we all do, and Christians are really good at it. Christians do it. We like to connect the dots, and we call it a God thing. That we, We believe, and rightly so, we believe we are all created in the image of God. And God sees all of our lives in a sequential order and sees it all before they even happen. God's nature is to bring order out of chaos. So when tragedy or something that doesn't make sense strikes, we ask why, but we connect it to something purposeful. We assume that as believers, there's some purpose to this thing that seems very haphazard or random in our life. You see the Christmas story is a reminder that the thing in us that wants to connect the dots should not be ignored. 
that God had dropped into this haphazard, meaningless, randomness of life, reminding us that this world is not as random or meaningless as we think. There's a real story here, a divine story, or dare I say, that God has a plan. It's called history, or somebody has reminded me before, his story in life. As God drops directly into people's lives in unmistakable ways, it's to remind us, to reorient us, to help us connect the dots, and to give us hope and a future. I love the Gospel of Luke. One of, it's one of my favorite Gospels because Luke is, yes, a doctor, but I was undergraduate journalism, and Luke takes a, an investigative journalist approach to the Gospel. There's some who may be here or maybe watching online that are skeptical about all this kind of stuff. Usually around Christmas and Easter, someone comes up with an article. Usually Jesus makes the cover of Time or Newsweek, and they say, who is Jesus? And they go through this whole thing. Who is the Jesus of Bethlehem? And they go through all these scholars and, and people who know more than God or the Scripture. And some may be skeptical. But I want you to hear this first verse from Luke and what he says here. And I want you to tell me whether this sounds like a fairy tale or not. Where Luke starts here in verse 1. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. What he's saying here is many people have shared the account of the things that we have seen and experienced. Because he says in verse 2, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully what? Carefully what? Investigated everything from the beginning, I too decide to write an, decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the what? Certainty of the things you have been taught. Look at what he says. He's getting information from people who were actual eyewitnesses, the people who saw this. He's now become an investigative reporter for the purpose of sharing a true or certain account of the gospel with Theophilus and others to come. That doesn't really sound like once upon a time to me, does it? It doesn't sound like in a galaxy far, far away. It sounds like an investigative report, something that we would see on 60 Minutes, something that we would see on, on some of these discovery uh, shows and everything. Luke continues in verse 26 of verse 1 through 37. He says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, Elizabeth was a relative of Mary's. We really don't know, but the King James translates it as cousin. God sent the angel Gabriel to the town of Nazareth in Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. It was a normal uh, way that people would go ahead and they'd arrange marriages. Sometimes you wouldn't even meet the person until the wedding day. How many would like to do that now? How many would like your parents to pick your spouse for you? How many parents would like to pick your kid's spouse? Yeah, there we go. I see you. There we go. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth. Um, and, and so... Imagine everything that rides on Luke's next statement here. Everything, the entire world, everything that we know now rests on this next statement. The virgin's name was Mary. 
Luke had no idea what was going to happen when he wrote that down. Think of all that hung in the balance. A new religion. Cathedrals. The Crusades. Martyrs. Who would give their life for the cause of Christ. Hospitals. Christian music. Missionaries. And us here tonight. And you know what's interesting? We don't know anything about Mary before the angel Gabriel interrupted her life. Except for that she was a teenage girl. We know that she was planning a wedding to marry Joseph, who was a carpenter, or probably a mason, because they don't have many trees in this area. Was going to lead a normal life like her mother and father and like her grandparents before her in this little town where people say, can anything good come from there? She may not have even known much about Joseph. It was an arranged marriage. And if they were lucky because they didn't live so long, she may live long enough to see her grandchildren. She would probably live and die in the same Galilean community that she grew up in. And she would just be one of the other nameless faces in the millions of people who had come and gone in this area where nobody cared about Israel at this time. Leaving no mark, no impact, no memorial. No trace of even being on the scene. She'd be left wondering if this life that she's living has any purpose at all or if it's just haphazard and just so random. But what's interesting is the time had come for God to touch down and show his plan, that his plan is not random or haphazard, but that he has incredible meaning and purpose. Look at what it says here in verse 28. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting might this be. She didn't know whether it was good news or bad news. She probably said, Are you a good witch or a bad witch? Remember that from uh, The Wizard of Oz? She had never seen an angel before. She had read about it, but God had been silent. The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Why did he say do not be afraid? Why do you think she, he said he, you, she had been afraid? If you're just hanging out, minding your own business, getting ready for a wedding, and the angel shows up, you're going to look at the food you ate first, right? And then you are going to be scared to death. Am I right? If an angel popped down here right now and said, greetings, you are highly favored, are you going to be a little freaked out? I'm... If you aren't, I am. I'm going to be a little freaked out. I'm going to be a lot freaked out. I'm not going to be able to say a word. She was scared to death. But the angel says to her, you have found favor with God. In other words, you've been singled out in your life that you think you have it all planned out. You have been singled out for a purpose for God. You will conceive. Look at all the wills here. You will conceive and give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great, and will be called the Son of the Most High God. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will never end. Look at those wills. When you say will, 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 and I'm told that when you write contracts and stuff, will means something completely different than shall and some other things, and, and, other, and may, right? You gotta, if you will, that means it's going to happen, am I right? It's certainty, Remember he said, I'm looking for certainty, and I want to share this with you. Certainty. And so he says, this will happen. And Mary, 
should have been really messed up when he started to go talk about this kingdom thing. Israel had not had an independent Jewish kingdom for over 500 years at this point. This son of mine is going to have a never-ending kingdom? You see, if she was going to have a kid, he should just be born, right? I've got that planned here. Born. Where is it? It's on the tree somewhere. Just born. And live in meaningless. Be a carpenter like his dad on earth and just go through stuff and then he would have children and he would pass on the carpenter mason business to them and she would die and he would have kids and it would just be meaningless and nobody would ever hear of this Mary or Jesus or anybody else. You know, it's very interesting. She wasn't concerned with that whole kingdom thing. She had another issue to deal with. She says, how will this be? Mary asks, since I am still a virgin. Luke wrote something here in very, very difficult language. How can she have this baby when she shouldn't be? And it doesn't make any sense at all. This is a big issue for her. I think it would be for anybody. Anybody else? The angel answered. Look at this again. The Holy Spirit will come on you. And the, whole, the power of the Most High God will, will overshadow you. So that the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And that's what we call him. You're going to have a son. He's going to be the Son of God. He says, even Elizabeth, your relative, is going. Look at that again. That, there it is again. The certainty. Is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her six months. For no word... From God, what? Will ever fail. In other words, literally, this word from God is not impossible. This is so weird. It has been over 400 years since God has done anything like this. 400 years of silence is what theologians call it. But meanwhile, as God was silent, the world was not. There was a group called the Babylonians. Anybody heard of them? The Babylonians ruled the world for 300 years. And people thought that the Babylonian rule was going to be forever and ever. The Persian Empire came in and they ruled. And everybody thought the Persians would reign forever. They reigned for 400 years. Then in 13 years, a young Greek guy named Alexander, Alexander the Great, conquered the known world and had the world's largest empire and he accomplished it in 13 years and died at a young age. And people said, this, the Greek uh, kingdom, empire, will last forever and ever and ever. And as soon as he died, they split it up and it fell to another republic empire known as the Roman Empire, which lasted for 507 years. And everybody said, the Roman Empire will last forever and ever. And then we here today talk about the United States in our 240 years, and we say we will last forever and ever. The oldest, the country that claims the oldest existence on earth is China. And they've had a lot of different people take over in the years. The, the nation that they have right now gets its date to 1949. All of these other kingdoms claim to last forever. And we go and visit their ruins. I could go into the Egyptian dynasties. 
and people go and raid their tombs. Right? They were going to last forever and ever and ever. It's like God showed up in history and said, no, don't you understand? It isn't about the plans of man. It's about the will of God. Every one of those kingdoms and empires came and went by God's declaration. And when you look at the details and the history, you see God's hand in it. But understand, life is not random and haphazard as it seems. Because God says, I am a God of purpose. And everything happens or not because of my will. For the most part, though, if you're like me, many of our days seem like, why bother? Right? We're just... As Kansas reminded us, dust in the wind. All we are is dust in the wind. You want to sing it, don't you? That's all we are. But for the most part, our dreams seem to be this haphazard kind of nonsensical thing of random events. And, but Luke interviews Mary because she was with John now. Did you see how we read a verse earlier that said, and she treasured all, kept all these things in her heart and remembered them. You know how he knew it? He talked to her. And you know one of the things I find out? We never hear that Mary hears from the angel again. And guess what? Her life went back. We know her from the Gabriel, but her life went back to normalcy. It went back to the daily grind. It went back to even worse. I'm sure there were times in life and in the growing up of Jesus and in the, her other children and in, in life where she had situations, even in this early part of when she was pregnant, when she goes ahead and says, yoo angel, you got to come back and do some splaining for me. I need you to go ahead and do some splaining here. yoo angel, woo angel, I need you. Come here. You see, my belly's sticking out, and you got to come here and explain to my mom and my Girl Scout troop leader what's going on here. Come on, angel. They ain't buying the whole virgin birth thing, and I'm afraid to tell anybody else. You see, Mary later connects with Joseph, and Joseph, we learned, he was a righteous man. He was going to divorce her, and you know, if he had made it public, they could have stoned her to death. And so he was righteous and said, I don't want to do that. But he wasn't buying it until the angel appeared to him in a dream. And they did. And then guess what happened? The box of haphazard randomness and meaningless got a lot crazier. Look what happens here. Joseph goes ahead and says to her, I'm Mary, Caesar, Augustus, says we got to go to a census and you got to go with me because you're pledged to be my wife and we got to go from here to Bethlehem and it's about 69.8 miles and I know you're really really pregnant right now but it's okay I got a donkey for you to ride on how happy you think she was in her ninth month about riding a donkey Back and forth, 140 miles. Anybody? So you know this, this part of life now, that everything's in order, starts to get a little crazy when we throw that donkey ride on there, doesn't it? So we throw the donkey ride on there. And so, okay, okay, that works. Oh, but wait a second. 
Wait a second. Here we go. Uh-oh. What's this? We get there, Miss Favored of God. She might even, that might have even been like her hashtag, Miss Favored of God. I don't know. And she's like, I'm favored. I'm favored. She might have kept it quiet. But she gets there after riding a donkey for 70 miles, pregnant, ready to give birth. And here she comes. And they go and say, hey, we need a room. Says, um, I've got a problem. Got a problem for you. Um, I know you're pregnant. About ready. It looks like you're about ready to give birth. Um, don't have any room. But what I got is a barn. Don't have a place for the baby to lay, but you can put them in the feeding trough. There's no room. No room. There you go, Miss, Miss Favorite of God. Don't you think that was a time where she said, uh, Yoo-hoo, Angel, couldn't you have at least used like Hotels.com or something? Couldn't you use Priceline and got me a, a room somewhere, anywhere? It's starting to get a little chaotic here in my life now. Um, I thought I was... Highly favored. That doesn't sound like highly favored to me. What about this kingdom lasting forever and I can't even get a room at all? Oh, but then we go on further. And then there's the story of the wise men sometime later. Some people may say even two years later. That they have a dream and hear that Herod wants Jesus dead because he wants his kingdom to last forever and ever. So if there's another king of the Jews, we got to get rid of him. So something happens. So Mary gets word. And so they send, say, guess what? Back on the donkey now. Let's head 200 miles now to Egypt where you'll be safe. So they go 200 miles to Egypt, but something happens while they're gone. Something imaginable happens. When you know the history of Herod, you realize that it's not too unimaginable imaginable without Herod. He sends his troops and they slaughter. Slaughter. Every two-year-old boy. We don't have that outside the manger scene, do we? We don't have that yucky scene of a, of a pile of Two-year-old boys and even girls because the Romans weren't taking time and the others weren't taking time to check if it was boy or girl they wanted to be thorough. So how do you think Mary felt that the angel came to her in a dream and told them to go so that her kid would be safe? But yet she lived her life knowing that everybody in that town, every parent who had a two-year-old, and particularly a two-year-old son, cried and wept, and it was all because of her boy. Does this sound like the life of order and wonder that God has promised, mostly favored? Which branch is she supposed to put that on the tree of purpose? And then so many years later, on a day, this favored one, Mary, would listen and see as that son that she told his kingdom would never end. That he would be king of kings and lord of lords. She would see as he was beaten. Beaten within an inch of his life. Fell in the streets because of the blood. 
and she would see him with a crown of thorns on his head and his hands and feet nailed to a cross. And I bet when she's looking at that cross, she's wondering, where's the promise of God and how, in my heart being broken, am I highly favored at this moment? Where does she put the crucifixion? On this tree of purpose. Where does it go here? It doesn't fit. It doesn't fit with the home and the retirement and the money and everything else. When she sees her son bleeding and dying. And for us, we, we kind of romanticize that, don't we? We romanticize it. Because we have a vantage point of 2,000 years plus. But she didn't have that. But at this moment, God intervened in the randomness of life, in the haphazard situation and purposelessness of life. He intervened and made a crossroads. Little did she know that she was truly highly favored. And all of humanity from now on will be this way. Because at Christmas, we are reminded that the seemingly hapless purposeless, haphazard world that we struggle through, in all its uselessness, in our senseless illnesses that we have, in our lost relationships and marriages that we have, in our painful loss of loved ones, that we find no purpose in it at all. Christmas reminds us, Emmanuel, God with us. We can believe that it makes sense that God will make a way in the seemingly meaninglessness of life. About 25 years, Luke wrote this gospel. From Luke's gospel. Luke wrote this gospel, and then 25 years after, the Apostle Paul put it this way in theological terms. When he said this from Ephesians chapter 1. In him, we were also chosen, having predestined according to the what? To the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. Look at those words. In him, the plan, everything. You know what everything means? Everything. Everything on the tree. Everything with the purpose of his will. Mary at that moment when she came in contact with the angel Gabriel, said it in her own personal way. At the end of her conversation with the angel, she says this, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. In other words, literally, may it be to me according to your will. Even though it may dismantle completely the future that I have planned, Not my will, but yours. Even though it'll cause me pain beyond measure. Not my plan, but yours. It's all about faith. And I don't know about you, but growing up in church, what have you been taught about faith? We all want that perfect faith, don't we? But perfect faith, I want to share with you something. Perfect faith is not faith that moves God. I often thought, if I had perfect faith, then God's going to get moving. That's not perfect faith. Perfect faith is faith that moves us to trust God 
when he doesn't seem to be moving anywhere. So like, let's go back to the string. We met, just like I planned. We married, just like I planned. We had kids, just like I planned. I got a job, just as I planned. But then life handed me this. There was a divorce I had not planned. I had a job loss that I had not planned. I had a death of a loved one. I didn't plan that. There was an addiction in my life or in my family, and I I didn't plan that. I'm struggling and dealing with depression. I didn't plan that. We want to know where to hang everything on the trees of our lives. But guess what? It's not our responsibility to know where. Our responsibility is to believe that everything has a place on the tree, whether we know where it goes or not. Here's what I've seen. If we are able to see it all as coming from God's hands, and it's difficult, then we are able to respond in a way that allows God to create a purpose, even in the seemingly haphazard randomness of life. As we wind this down, this part of the service today, we were created to look for a purpose. Sometimes we find it, sometimes we don't. Sometimes we find it immediately, and sometimes we find it eventually. At Christmas, though, we are reminded that life is not as haphazard as it seems, that there's a story taking place. It's a divine story. It's his story in you. And if we choose, we can participate by answering the same way Mary did. That young teenage girl with such amazing Faith, not that it was perfect and that she was going to say it and move God, but that she was going to say it and trust him even when it didn't seem like God was moving by saying, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me according to your word. So as we close before we go to communion, I want to close with a prayer here and I'm going to have us take communion and we're going to sing a song about the love of the Lord. This week I was just thinking and I was, I was actually working out. And the song came on and just moved my heart. And I said, Dwayne, I don't know it's not a Christmas song, but I want to sing it. As you come up, you're going to, I want to let you know you're going to receive the bread. We'll do it by intention. That means dunking. But intention sounds a lot better than dunking. So if you go to Dunkin' Donuts, you can say, I'm going to intinct my donut. All right. You're going to do that. And you're going to receive that. And also focus not, not on just that as a time to take a break from worship, but this is, this is a connected part of worship. Where it's not the time to say hi and how you doing and Merry Christmas. It's a time to focus and give God thanks for the gift of his son, Jesus Christ. That Christmas means absolutely nothing without Good Friday. And Good Friday means absolutely nothing without Easter Sunday. And what I do here means absolutely nothing if God had never sent his son. And that's what we're doing here tonight. So I'd like for you to just stand where you are. And we're going we're gonna to have the three set up again, even though we don't have as many at this service as we did at the other. You'll come down this way and go, and there'll be somebody who's going to give you a candle. Come down this way and come here, and then somebody will give you a candle after you go through the communion line, and same thing this way. But I just want to pray for you as our worship team comes forward.
right now. And uh, the servers can come up as well. We'll serve them first. Let's pray. It doesn't matter, God, whether we are a church person, a Christian or not. I just want to give people challenge that in the last two weeks, if you've been given an ornament to hang on your tree of purpose, and it doesn't seem to make sense. It doesn't seem to have a place on your tree, and there's something unexpected that you're carrying around with you this Christmas. You've got some bad news. You've got something that just has jolted you. And God doesn't seem to be moving. I'm going to ask you where you are to just go ahead and say, I got you, God. I got you, God. And then I want you to just be ready to pray. God has never interrupted his plans, only ours. And so God, even though that you have never interrupted your plans, but you've interrupted ours, I pray that you will open our eyes and our hearts to be accepted into your overall plan. That we can come and see you in a new way and experience life with you like we never have before. Help us to look at those moments of our lives that are hurtful and so painful because we don't know where to put them on the tree. Help us to see that, God, you work all things to the good of those who love him. We're called according to your purpose and your will and your plan. Help us to, in a sense, refocus our lives to look to what your plan is for our lives, not ours. God, for all those people who are here today that have planned one thing and it turned out different, I ask you to just give them your love and your peace. Give them your direction. As now we partake in this communion service, Father, move in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. I'm going to ask the worship team and the servers to be served first. We also have um, gluten-free as well, so that will be over here if anyone needs that. And for this service, um, I got something called challah bread. Everybody say, challah. Yeah, right? It's like challah, challah. All right? And it's fitting because it's also Hanukkah. It fell at the same time. Jesus was a Jewish, was born in a place. He was born in Bethlehem, which means house of bread. No mistakes by God. No mistakes. So, the body of our Lord given for you. The body of Christ given for you. The body of our Lord Jesus Christ given for you. The body of Christ broken for you. The body of Christ broken and given for you. The body of Christ broken for you. Our Lord's body broken given for you. Because on the night which Jesus gave himself up for us, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body. It's my body which is broken for you. Do this and eat this in remembrance of me. After the supper was over, he took the cup. He blessed it. He said, this is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so, Lord, in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith, that Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts. Make them be for us the body and the blood of Christ, that we may be for the world 
the body of Christ, redeemed and set apart by his precious blood. So what we're going to ask, and I know that I'm going to let the, uh, the um, ushers with the uh, candles to come up. After you go through, you can receive, you'll receive these on the ends, and they'll have them for you. Your faithfulness stretches to the sky. Your righteousness is like the mighty mountains. Yeah. Your justice flows like the ocean tide. And I will live Worship you, my King. And I will find my strength in the shadow of your wings. Your love, O oh Lord, reaches to the heavens. Sing it with us. Your faithfulness. Stretches to the sky. Come on, stand up. Your righteousness is like the mighty mountains. Yeah. Your justice flows like the ocean tide. And I will lift my voice to worship you, my I will find my strength in the shadow of your wings. Let's sing that verse again. Your love, O oh Lord, reaches to the heavens. Let's hear you sing it. Your faithfulness stretches to the sky. 
Your righteousness is like the mighty mountains. Yeah. Your justice flows like the ocean tide. Let's hear you sing it. And I will lift my voice to worship you, my King. And I will find my strength in the shadow of your wings. And I will lift my voice I will find my strength in the shadow of your wings. Your love, O oh Lord, reaches to the heavens. Your faithfulness stretches to the sky. Your love, O oh Lord, reaches to the heavens. Your faithfulness. I don't know about you, but 2016, I needed God's faithfulness. I don't know about you, but I needed his love to stretch to the sky. And I'm telling you right now, I can't see in the future, but I know darn well I need it in 2017. I know I need it every day of my life. I know I need, I got too many random Christmas balls on my tree. And I need a God of purpose in my life. And on that night so many years ago, when things didn't go to purpose in a church that was known for its big Christmas Eve services, and two guys sat down and penned a song called Silent Night, and we just read about Mary, ain't nothing silent about that night or the whole story. And they wrote it, and the bellows and the organ broke, the things that used to make organs work rather than electricity. And they couldn't play, and they had all these people coming. And they pulled out a guitar and said, let's, let's go. You see, that's random. And they sang a song for the very first time called Stille Nacht, which we know is silent night. I can't imagine a Christmas or a Christmas Eve service without Silent Night. And so what we're going to do, we're going to sing this hymn that was written in a time where everything went bad and they hung still a knocked on the tree. And so let's see where it goes. And it's become probably one of the most famous songs in the entire world. So let's sing this song, Silent Night, because His righteousness gives us that peace in the midst of the storm. And as the lights go off, go ahead and just look at the candle and the light that Christ brings in.
Yeah. 
I always like to look around and just kind of get a little bit. Um, I was sitting here thinking um, that, you know, um, some of you are old like me and remember real, real candles, okay? Um, and I remember getting burnt about 50 times through that, uh, those horrible little uh, cardboard things that they used to give to us. Remember those? And then you'd play with them and your parents would slap you while you were sitting there doing it. Um, but God just kind of told me something. He said, uh, we did this last year, right? And we do it every year. And um, I was just, and thinking back to those candles, um, it's kind of like I didn't know the hot wax was hitting me until it hit my hand. And sometimes I think that we live our, I don't know if this is just extra, I don't know whether we live our Christian walk in a random haphazard way that God just wants to dip some hot wax on our hand and wake us up. I don't know what that's meant. I don't have that written down on anything. I don't know, it's just there. It's not really something you finish a nice little candlelight service with, but it's kind of demented. I'm talking about throwing hot wax on you, but anyway, we'll go with it, all right? So, um, but I, I do hope that you'll look at your year last year, and if you didn't have much haphazardness in your life, maybe God just needs to do something a little bit more in 2017, and maybe we need to move a little bit closer and move him a little bit higher up on our list. Amen? Amen? Have an awesome Merry Christmas. Remember, church tomorrow, everybody's online. You got a full hour of church. If you want to watch it, you can sing to the top of your lungs, and you get to see me in a cool hat. That's all I got to say. Have an awesome Christmas. Merry Christmas, everyone. God bless. Merry Christmas. Please go ahead and put these as you go out, and thank you.